I don't know. <laughs> All right, as we get settled in, let's get this night started. I'm going to run into this, so we're going to move that. All right. So, who here was here last Wednesday? Who was here last Wednesday? How good was the speaker? Jose. Don't worry, I got some critiques from Pete. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I did, actually. I asked some respectable people. I didn't ask any of your peers. I asked some of the leaders, so you're good. We're going to work on that. But guys, that's the beautiful part about being in our high school ministry is you all get the chance to step up, serve with each other, to learn how to give God's word and all these fun things. So if you are wondering how he was able to do that and where we're doing that, just come talk to us. It's an awesome time. It's a fun little group that we have going. But I need... Um, can someone give me their cell phone? I want it unlocked and permission to go through your pictures. Man, I love how fast the tides changed on that. This whole front row is like, yeah, we got you. Ah, just kidding. Xbox has an app? For what? Like, can you play games on it? I'm also going to delete most of your fantasy team because I think I'm playing you this week. Oh, okay, cool. Never mind. I won't delete them just yet. All right, so this was a great sermon illustration already. I'm going to give you this back before I drop it or something. This music stands awful. Um, why, Ruth? Why did you change your mind? It was under my seat and I didn't want to grab it. <laughs> you were going to grab it before I said, can I go through your pictures? Yeah. All right, let me go through your pictures. Why? All right, never mind. You're good. But how many of you guys felt an instant change of mind as soon as I asked to actually go through like your pictures on your phone? You guys were like, yeah, as long as you just want to look at my phone, that's fine. But going through your things, how many of you guys got nervous when I said I want to go through your things on your phone? But I'm, that's what I'm saying. So that's what I'm getting at, guys, ladies and gentlemen. This is, this is the whole reason for tonight's spiritual discipline. So what the series we're going through is how then shall we live? On what does it mean to actually be saved? What does it mean to live different? So we covered the fact that in Romans chapter 6 that if you are saved, you are going to be different because Christ makes you alive, right? He, we're not perfect this side of heaven, but he makes us alive. We used to be dead in our sin. We're now alive, right? We did the whole analogy of I'm going to beat a dead person in a race, right? Because they're not breathing or moving. And then last week, Jose covered on the beautiful reality of gathering together, right? The church, being around believers, being able to stir each other up to love and good works, that if we believe in Jesus, we need to be around others who believe in Jesus. That's so the local church is so important. And then the next step tonight is I actually want to cover the topic of conviction and prayer, because the two go hand in hand. And, and if you guys, that gut feeling, how many of you had kind of like, you were like, yeah, I'll give you my phone. And I was like, I want to go through your pictures. And you're like, mm, nope. Like, in your gut, you're just like, I know there's things there that Pastor Mitch will never want to see in his lifetime. And I agree. And that's why I honestly was probably not going to go through your pictures. Seth's or Caleb's, it's fine. There's like an Xbox app and my ADHD kicked in. Um, but do you guys see what I'm saying? Like, I think we all, how many of you guys would agree that, there's, that we have gut feelings, right? Have you guys ever made a decision off a gut feeling like you just did about five seconds ago? We all do it. We've all made decisions off your gut feeling. How many of you guys have ever seen the show NCIS? I'm probably dating myself. Oh, really? 
Yes, there's some students who actually watch NCIS. I love it. Gibbs his gut, right? He, just, he, he doesn't know why or how, but he knows in his gut he's going to make a decision. Well, if we dive into Scripture, we actually see that those gut feelings, God has an ordained purpose for. It's called your conscience, your conscience, right? That little, we always, we have the real dumb pictures where it's like the little angel on your shoulder, the little devil on the other, and then people grow up and get, like, turn 18 and get them tattooed on their neck, right? They make really bad decisions based off of it. But that conscience, right, knowing what's wrong. How many of you guys at least can say, yeah, we know there's a difference between right and wrong? The one section that didn't raise their hand, I knew wouldn't. That makes sense. All right. But let me read this. In John chapter 16, verse 8, it's going to be up on the screen, but also, if you have your Bibles and you're pretty savvy at moving towards it, John chapter 16, verse 8. Uh, Nick, if you want to get that, actually. There you go. I think Jaden was distracted. It says this for us. Wait until he gets it up. Hmm? Oh, I didn't put it in there? Never mind. That's my bad. I got distracted earlier. You guys should be there now by then, though. John chapter 16, verse 8. And when he comes, this is Christ talking about the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And if you guys remember in our Roman study, in Romans chapter 1, when it was talking about how the really religious people are guilty of sin, the really non-religious people, they're guilty of sin. And just to make it clear, all of you are guilty of sin, right? All of us, we all have fallen short of the glory of God, right? Paul's going through that. Paul also mentions in Romans chapter 1 that when we get so lost in our sin, when we just keep continuously going into these little even like pet sins or these really big sins, and we just keep doing that, God actually will, will lessen the conviction, He says he turns people over to their debased minds. He's saying he turns people over to the things that they desire. Making it harder for you to see the light, to see the righteousness, to see the goodness of the gospel. He he will turn you over to those things. And so for us, sometimes that gut feeling of knowing that we shouldn't be talking during service, but we are, right? It goes away all of a sudden. And then we just keep doing it because we don't feel the gut feeling anymore, right? Right? But then all of a sudden we start going to church more, we start hearing about the word of God more, we start hanging around more godly friends, and all of a sudden that conviction sinks in, and we're like, man, like, maybe I should be living different. Man, maybe I really don't have a relationship with Jesus. And maybe I've really been kidding myself. Maybe I need to press into that. Or man, I know I have Jesus, and I feel awful. I'm feeling convicted that I need to start living right for him again. That's what we're talking about right here when it says he comes, the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world, believers and unbelievers. He comes to bring that conviction, that gut feeling. See, the first step of pressing into this gut feeling is the gospel, is understanding the weight of your wrongdoing and my wrongdoing. I hope, I, and, I, and, and I wish I could make it more tangible than to just say, that, that when you know that wrong, when you've made someone upset, when you know you've committed sin, whether you truly believe it to be sin or not, those moments, who you are outside of Jesus is what put Jesus on the cross. Like, that's the weight of what we're talking about when we talk about conviction. Who you are as a sinner, not what you do as a sinner, But the fact that you were born and you were born into sin, that you are a sinner, is what put Christ on the cross. 
That is what his blood was shed for. And that is why even unbelievers learn what right and wrong looks like, because God said we've been created with the ability to know who he is and what he's about. So even unsaved people, people who might not have that relationship, they understand the difference between right and wrong. But sometimes people can suppress it so much that they just love being in sin and they're so blind by it. And it makes them more callous and cold to the gospel and to that gut feeling. And so for the first step for a lot of us, it's finding out where our gut feeling is and starting to press into it. So I think there's a lot of us in this room tonight, whether we're believers or not, that we've become numb to kind of that conviction. That we're so wrapped up in trying to make sure that we're liked by everybody or that we're really good at academics or that we're really good at the athletics, that we're really, we're so wrapped up and worried about all these other things that all of a sudden Christ has become down here on your list. And tonight, as we're pressing into this and as we go into our small groups, this is what I want us to really cling to. Is this reality that, that that gut feeling, that conviction, that knowing what you're doing is wrong and then you still choose to do it anyways, that's a gift. God is giving you a gift. He's saying, hey, warning sign. Don't go make that decision with your boyfriend or girlfriend. You don't have to lie to your parents. You don't have to cheat. And what we do is we start suppressing the truth. We start suppressing the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And Romans 1 tells us he'll turn us over into those. But this is, this is so good because then in 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10, states this. It says, as it is, I rejoice. Not because you were grieved, right? Being convicted that you were grieved, but because you were grieving or grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas a worldly grief produces death. See, if you're in here tonight and you're, and you're hearing these words and you're going, man, that's what that gut feeling is, that's what that grief is, and you're like, man, I, like, I don't even understand truly the gospel message yet. I hope and pray that you come to the realization tonight as we're talking through this, that that grief, what's happening, what the Holy Spirit is doing, even with you lack a relationship with Jesus, is he's yelling from within saying, look to the cross where love ran red, where his perfect blood was spilt so that you could understand what that conviction truly was and what that true conviction is. I don't know about you guys, you may have experienced this or not, but I've, I've lost many friends. And when I say many, five counts as many, but I, know, I remember at least five that I know from my high school alone that I've lost to suicide. Some close, some not as close, but I still went to school with them. But that's the difference between having a good understanding of what that conviction is and a bad understanding of what that conviction is. See, without having the Holy Spirit in light of Christ, understanding the gospel, knowing that he loved you so much that he died for you so that you could have life, man, grief can push you to some dark places. How many of you have ever been in a dark place? Man, you make mistakes, you hurt people, you do the wrong. It pushes you to dark places. After I had my accident, there was a lot of dark. And I was, luckily, I was in Christ. But even in those moments, 
If I didn't surround myself by godly people, if I didn't have godly friends, I don't know what that dark place could have led to. Because I didn't know my Bible well enough. I wasn't really pressing in, but I, I, he, I felt that conviction to not follow through with those thoughts. And so for some of us in this room tonight, it's understanding that that conviction you feel when people present the gospel to you and yet you try to push it away, man, press in to that conviction. Talk to your youth leader. Talk to me. Talk to someone tonight about the reality that Christ Jesus loved you so much that he died on the cross to give you life, to give purpose to that conviction. And then for the rest of you in this room that have a relationship, man, he's alive for you interceding on your behalf, constantly talking to God about you, going, I know, Mitch, made that bad comment in traffic today, but, like, he's a guy. Let's be honest. They get road rage quicker than anyone else, okay? Like, he's there going, man, that guilt, we convicted him, he's repented, he's, he's, con- he's confessed forgiveness in that, and he's moving on from really just wanting to give that guy the four-finger wave, Right? And so that conviction sits in, and and for you guys who might be growing numb to that in your relationship with Jesus, press back into your relationship. That conviction is good. How many of you guys have made a mistake so deeply or committed a sin so deeply that it just, you almost felt like nauseous? Like you just feel like physically sick to your stomach. And at a certain point, we repeat that sin so much, we start to become numb afterwards. Like we just, and we understand the numbness, because we're on the side that we have a relationship with Jesus, but we're understanding the numbness of it. I promise you, if you sit in the conviction, that's going to be way less hurt than if you follow through with the sin. That temporary conviction going, hey, don't make that choice, don't make that comment, don't go with that person, lasts way shorter and the consequence of that sin when you bring it to fruition. We need to press in to conviction. Press in to that heavenly gut feeling. God is using that gut feeling. And then we end off with this passage right here in Colossians 4. It says, Continue steadfast in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. So Paul's currently now in prison saying, listen, give thanks in prayer. I'm in a bricked up tomb handcuffed and I'm still giving thanks in prayer. I'm talking to God directly going, thank you for putting me in this moment. He says, I'm thankful. And then he says, may I make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. He's saying, let me present Jesus even in prison clearly. Verse 5, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Make the best use of your time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. And so as we wrap this up tonight, I hope and pray through conviction, through understanding what the Holy Spirit's doing both in the unbeliever and the believer, that no matter where you're at tonight, you don't leave here without taking a next step. 
For some of you, it's finally giving up the lie, the facade, the fake persona that you try to create by being the coolest person ever and genuinely pressing into a relationship with Jesus. Genuinely understanding that all you're trying to do by being the best, coolest, greatest person is just cover up your sin. You can put an air freshener next to a pile of poop. It's still a pile of poop. Amen? But man, say that pile of poop's on a very nice sidewalk. If you remove the poop, it's now a really good sidewalk again. There's some of you who need to go from death to life tonight. You guys are dressing up dead corpses, and it's not going to last. Some of you need to become alive in Jesus. Jesus spilt his blood so that you could have life. He paid for your sin, for your shame, for your brokenness, for your sadness, for your sorrow. He died for all of that the moment he took the cross. And the moment you surrender your life to him, you find purpose, meaning, joy, happiness, Peace beyond understanding. All these different concepts that we've covered in the summer and this, in this fall. It unlocks what life truly is meant to be because you're back to the person who created you. And for some of you in this room, it's understanding, man, I've been neglecting my walk with Jesus for too long. Like, I know I'm saved, but man, have I been focusing on some other things way too much. first thing I do when I wake up is I think about how am I going to ask that person to homecoming? Which, mind you, you guys, calm it down. The, the homecoming proposal things, just remember, the bar you set now, and if you actually are with this person long term, you have to beat that bar when you go to propose. Just saying. <laughs> Gentlemen, remember that. That's some wisdom right there for you. So I'm not saying, like, don't do anything, because that's just, I guess, rude in this day and age. But just remember where you set the bar. You got, you got some milestones. You got, like, prom and you know, all those fun things. So just remember the bar you're setting. But also remember that as much work that you put into that sign you made, ladies, as much thought you put into the answer you give, that's good. That's on the other side of my example. But spend that much time with Jesus, if not more. I genuinely believe that the, you probably spent more time making that sign, thinking of how you're going to ask Girls, you're probably thinking about, man, if that one guy asked me, this is how I'm going to respond, right? You've had those thoughts. You've almost said, you've put new paths in school just so you don't have to see that one guy. Because you're like, I know he's going to ask, and I haven't even talked to him once in my life. If you guys took all of that energy, if you took all of that energy genuinely, and I say this with love, your homecoming experience is like this on your path of life. Who you are in Christ Jesus, I cannot extend my hands far enough of how important it is. So where are you tonight? Are you, are you pressing into that conviction via prayer and just openly talking to God? You, we know how important it is to have our Bibles. We're at least instituting it by grabbing it. That table's empty. That's awesome. You guys are using the Bible because you know the Word of God is authoritative. It's our truth. It's where we find life. But how do you talk back to God? You talk back to Him by praying to Him. 
If you're in Christ Jesus, you have God's ear. You don't have to go to anybody else. You can go directly to God. And for those of you in this room tonight who don't have a relationship with Jesus, there is but one prayer he hears on your behalf. So all those times that you've been going in the deepest, darkest moments, you're like, oh, God, save me because I'm having a troubled time. But then when you're good, you're like, ah, whatever, right? Because you don't have a genuine relationship with him. He doesn't hear those. You know the prayer he hears of the unrighteous, of the people who are unsaved? That one prayer that he hears is, Lord, save me. Lord, I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and I believe in my heart that you rose him from the dead three days later. From that moment on, you now have the direct relationship with Jesus, and you have his ear for eternity. So before we even dive into how deep prayer can be, you will never understand how good prayer is until you understand how good the gospel is. And you're never going to understand how much you need the gospel until you understand how that conviction works. So tonight in your small groups, when we're talking, I want you to press into those gut-feeling moments. I want you to press into, when you hear the gospel, do you get anxious? Do you brush it off? Are you numb to it? Or you hear it and you're like, this is the best thing ever. Right? Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fallen short of the what? Glory of God. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is, but the gift of God is eternal through. And then Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you, this is it. This is, it's not a special prayer. It's not me slapping you on the forehead or with my coat jacket. It's not you speaking in tongues. It's none of those things. What it is, is it's you saying, Christ, Jesus, I know you are Lord. If you confess with your mouth that he is Lord and believe in your heart, that God rose him from the dead three days later, you shall be saved. And new life starts from there. Amen? Let's bow our heads, let's go into prayer, and then we're going to go into groups. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this ability right here, God. That is so humbling. I love the fact, and, and I, see, I'm feeling the gut feeling right now, Lord, that I should probably be, I'm going to get on my knee, just like Pastor Aaron does, right? We're going to, God, the, the reverence, the goodness the amazing opportunity that you as our heavenly father hear from us whenever we as your children cry out God so I pray that everyone who is a child of yours in this room tonight they take full advantage of the fact that they can go to you whenever wherever however and just pray and talk to you they can pour out their life to you knowing that you're listening knowing that you care knowing that you will provide and God I pray for those who might not have a relationship with you here in this room tonight that they cry out for the first time ever with a real genuine heart that they want to be saved by you, God, that they want Jesus to be their Lord and their Savior, that they believe that he died on the cross for their sins, that he loved that person so much that he died on the cross, and then he beat the grave and conquered sin and death, God. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for these moments. Thank you for these nights. God, be with us as we go into small groups. Be with us as we do our small group activities and have our just genuine vulnerable times, God. Allow us to not think we're too good to say anything, God. Let us have genuine conversation with each other, Lord. We love you. We thank you. And we pray this all in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. All right, you guys are dismissed to your small groups.
Am I still... Hey, Nick, can you mute me?